I think it's just the separation. I don't want to say the separation generation, but media was changing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't here to, like, fight anyone on it. But I'm like, it's coming. So you can either adapt with it or you're going to get left behind with my mentality. And, like, I love our local publications here in Austin, newspapers, magazines. Like, we wouldn't be anywhere without them. I think there's a way for both kinds of media to survive and um, help the city because at the end of the day, we're all writing about the same things and helping boost our economy. So there's not really, like, oh, you know, competition. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure, as always, to have you here listening. It is a semi-sunny morning here in the wonderful state, or wonderful place of Austin, Texas. And yeah, I'm just feeling real good energy, real good overall. Uh, It's a day off work for me, and so I was able to sleep in until 7 a.m., which to some you'll understand, I just can't sleep in past that time after years of forcing myself up before then in mad panic. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my sleep in, but it's enough and I'm feeling good. I opened some fun influencer packages this morning. Um, I'm joking. I mean, not really. They are nice packages when you get sent them from you know teams and brands and such, but it always just makes me feel like a kid on Christmas morning. So, and I didn't get any Christmas gifts this year. I mean, my dad and brother sent me like one in the mail, but otherwise I spent Christmas alone. So (laughs) I'll take all the free shit from brands right now. Um, Of course, as long as it aligns with my values, but rambling aside, where am I going with this? Anyway, it's overall been a good morning. And so I just hope that I carry this energy through the intro and into your own life. And so the sheer ridiculousness of this should hopefully at least make you smile or... I don't know, make you feel good. Let's just go for that, right? Uh, Today we have a very fun and interesting episode. It is with another Austin native, actually, and she is quite the force here in Austin. Jane Coco is just a, a force of nature. She is a content creator, overall entrepreneur, business owner, uh, author. She has done it all, and it all started with a blog that no one was reading and then starting an Instagram and then really being told by a lot of people that she would never amount to anything. And then here she is now working with over 300 major brands, massive Instagram following, own published book, winning awards, doing insane things. And yeah, today we just discussed her journey. It's been about 10 or 11 years, I believe she says. And To me, I was just awestruck and inspired by the reminder once again that you can start your journey at any point and just to let go of the expectations and to just, at the end of the day, always believe or always be able to come back to that inner message that you are trying to convey. And so listening to how throughout the years she faced, you know, hurdles and struggles and people literally telling her that she wouldn't make it, you know, she couldn't do this, she wasn't qualified, she wasn't XYZ. And to just hear how she then kept going and would continue to book a bigger partnership or a bigger deal or expand in some other way, 
I mean, damn. I was so inspired after this. And so we kept it short, sweet, and simple to the point. So you'll hear about her journey. Hopefully it resonates or it reflects or inspires you along your own. And then we dive into some things such as, you know, confidence and the comparison game and limiting beliefs and all of those fun things in quotes that really can impact us. And these are things that everyone experiences. I'm convinced of that at this point after interviewing over a hundred women and talking and yeah, I do need to make this more include more inclusive. I'm working to get all all ranges of human beings on the show. But I've interviewed lots of lots of people. I've talked to lots of people in the day to day, and I'm convinced that we all fall into the comparison trap. We all have our limiting beliefs. We all have our insecurities. And not only do they impact us in the day to day, but especially when it comes to work or something we're trying to create or build. And so I always tell myself, and that's why I try to do it through the podcast as well, everyone experiences this. Now, how did so-and-so get through it? Or what was their approach to it? And that always just gives me more perspective on how I want to work through it or how I want to get through it. So hopefully, you know, you listen and maybe you resonate with what Jane says, and then you can apply it to your own life. So just gives you something to think about, something to ponder. But I highly recommend giving Jane a follow, even if you're not Austin-based. She's just a phenomenal content creator. I love following and seeing how she creates with these different brands. It really inspires me to just think outside the box in my own ways. And and it's just neat. She has a very interesting flair for how she creates. So you can find her on Instagram at A Taste of Cocoa. I'll link it below. As well as her book, where if you are in Austin or you plan to visit here... It's the ultimate guide to everything Austin. Things to do, places to eat. No one has made a better guide than Coco. So (laughs) that will be linked below and I'll be getting a copy as well to share on Instagram and give you a sneak peek preview. But other than that, yeah, like let's connect on Instagram. You know you can always leave a rate and review and it means the absolute world. Plus, as those start coming in, I'll be picking one to either win some fun goodies or to just have a one-on-one chat with me which i would love to have with any of you interested besides that though dms are always open as is email and we would both love to connect i'm on there at emily feichels jane is on there at a taste of cocoa everything linked below so let us know your thoughts and without further ado let's begin if you're ready then why don't we start out with you know, if you don't mind giving a little bit of an intro into who you are, what it is you're currently doing in life, uh, and then we'll we'll dive right into things. My name is Jane Co, and I run A Taste of Cocoa, which is an awesome-based food and travel blog that I launched in 2010. So I'm coming up on 11 years now. Um, a Taste of Cocoa originally started off as a recipe blog that had absolutely no readers, and then I started writing about things to do and where to eat in Austin, and that's when I started getting my traction. Um, in this last 11 years, I've covered, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of restaurants here in Austin on where to eat, and then also then started doing things to do. Um, I started doing this full-time in 2015 as the advertising industry changed, and Austin as a city started getting traction, um, became a popular kind of tech hub as Facebook and Dropbox started moving here. I always kind of coin it as I was in the right place at the right time with the two merge merges of those two. And I started doing it full time accidentally 
And in the last six years in doing full time, I worked with over 300 brands on advertising and influencer marketing campaigns. That is absolutely amazing. And I hadn't realized you'd been doing it for 11 years, but I think just to like take things back to the beginning there, so many of us have ideas or things that we want to start or just, you know, whether it's for a hobby or potential business, whatever it is, but as we know, you know, the start can be rough. And I'm just curious in the beginning, when you said, you know, you had zero readers, things are probably much, much different than they are now. How did you like just keep and find the motivation to follow through on it and to just keep doing the work day by day to build, you know, what you have now? So I think the thing is, because I started before anyone else had started in Austin, I think that the comparison game can be really discouraging. And I see this even when I was slow to the game on TikTok. And I saw a lot of influencers were already at 50,000 or 100,000 on TikTok. And I started posting videos and they weren't getting traction. And I just like didn't touch it for over a year. And one of my friends actually works at TikTok and he kept telling me like, will you please just try some more videos? You're so good at stories. Just repurpose that content on TikTok. And I, I also was like, well, there's no point now because one, I'm not getting brand partnerships on TikTok. Two, everyone else is already so big on TikTok. So what's the point? So I, I get the comparison game. And I think that for a lot of people who started not just like, five years ago but even even before that it's it's hard when you look at somebody else and you're like wow they're so established already and I'm like yes I have 10 years of time ahead of you and so it's not it's like apples to oranges and so when I started I didn't know that there was even any other bloggers or I mean influencers didn't exist yet but I didn't even know there was other bloggers in Austin I was in college so nobody else was doing this. I just kind of did it on a whim. So I had nothing to compare to. So I didn't really know what success was at that time from 2010 to like 2013. The only thing I knew was I didn't like going to class. I was probably not going to do anything with my degree. I was definitely not going to do higher education, go to law school, med school or anything like that. I was hopefully going to work a nine to five, but I didn't know if that was going to be even possible because my grades weren't that good and my attention span also wasn't that great. So the only thing I knew was I bought this domain. I started writing content on it. I loved shooting photos, which is not something that I like. I didn't have this desire growing up that I love photography. I definitely didn't have that. But at that time, I was really obsessed with shooting photos and getting better. And I spent a lot of my time on Pinterest just looking at these beautiful photos that professional food photographers are shooting and also like I always loved magazines like I would have loved to work at a magazine um and I wish I I wish I did um but I didn't pursue that hard enough but I did wish I did do that so then I could see what a team capacity looks like and what editorial actually looks like um but yeah I didn't I didn't know like what was possible at that time I think that's really neat. And it, it, it is probably true as well, what you were saying about it being just an entirely different time, because nowadays there are so many people doing this type of thing or starting. And I think comparison does play a lot more into it than we initially realize, or, you know, it's just 
there's so much coming at us as well that it's, it can be hard to figure out like, what's my, what's my style? What's my creativity? Like what's my path. And so I love that you were, you know, back then able to really just focus on like, you know, you said you were interested by photography, like these, these things that were motivating you and you were just able to focus on that. But I'm curious, like at what point did it start to feel more entrepreneurial to you you mentioned you kind of fell into doing it full-time by accident and so I'm just curious like was there a point at which you thought I could make this a business I want to be my own you know boss I want to be an entrepreneur or did it happen you know by truly by accident was it something you fell into I think I had different validation points along the way that I at that time didn't know but now looking back um those were definitely validation points so I I think it was like 2011, which was just one year in, and I had no readers. There was a bank doing a video tour through the U.S. highlighting entrepreneurs, and it was Mutual of Omaha, and they picked me for the Austin entrepreneur, and I didn't even know what that meant at that time. I was like 21, I think, and I didn't know at that time, but they featured me. They had me tell my story. I had no readers, so there's really nothing, not much to talk about, but they credited me for at least doing something different and starting my own platform and I think for me at that time I was like well this is cool this is what a little taste of recognition looks like but I didn't know what that meant and then um I think the next validation point after that was I was working for a startup in 2014 2015 I was shy of hitting I've never worked for a company for more than a year um, this company was super close. I was at week 51. And then I just was like, here's my two weeks. I'm done. <laughs> and there, and I think the validation point at the time was companies like Whole Foods and UT were inviting me to come over and speak to their teams about how to build a personal brand, how to build social media strategy, how to do content creation. And it was interesting because this is before Whole Foods was even considered being acquired by Amazon. But they couldn't figure out a social strategy from a global standpoint. So they had me speak to their team and it was aired to all their global teams across the nation or world or something, which I don't even think I even understood what that exactly meant either. <laughs> I just like showed up and I did things and it wasn't necessarily the fact that I got validation from those speaking opportunities because I don't think I knew the velocity of what that meant. I was just like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll come speak. And the validation was my boss I worked for under the startup asked me to come into the conference room the next day and he's like we know what you did yesterday this was one a violation of your non-compete because like both healthy concepts which is ironic because six months later the company I worked for went into Whole Foods as a as a vendor so that was ironic but the second thing he said he said it's not fair that these companies are recognizing you're so young I worked my way up the career ladder and it's not fair that you're getting this recognition it should be me and two you, the city might consider you to be a leader, but you'll never be a leader. And that, I think at that time, looking back now, I don't regret those moments because if that didn't happen, I know I would have stayed with that company for years and years and wouldn't have like left and went out and did my, did something on my own. And I think in that self, that was validation that I was onto something where there was resistance from, you know, just not just like from work, but like other people who were like, what are you doing? Right. And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to keep doing it. And in that moment when I quit, my plan was to go back to working social for other brands because I love working for brands and building other people's story. I never wanted to be the focus of, like, I was always camera shy. I didn't want to be in front of the camera. And 
I think around this time was when I started being in my own photos. Like instead of me showing a photo of food, I started sitting in front of the camera and having someone take the photo for me. And it was like me eating the food. And that was a big change. I think as people were like, oh, this is an actual person. And, they, and then people started developing an emotional connection, right? Because they could talk to me. They could see what they look like, see what I look like. They would, I mean, it was very rare anyone would stop me and say like, oh my gosh, I follow you, right? But that was a big change for me. And as I was starting to, I guess, decide which company I wanted to work for next, I started getting more and more projects from brands. And my first major contract was, a one-year contract with Carnival Cruise Line and that was just such a big deal because it was a brand that I grew up with that my parents would save up money and we would go during their low season and the fact that this huge cruise company reached out to me and to do a one-year partnership and then renewed for a second year was such a big like big, such a big deal and I just I did fall into this because you can't it's hard as an influencer especially at that time is you don't know to like look for business but I think I've just been so lucky in this last six years of doing this full time is all of my work is inbound so all of these companies and brands and ad agencies reach out to me and then I'm able to go through and decide which ones I want to work with which is the best case scenario that anyone could hope for but I didn't know that was a thing and I think your question was when did you kind of know I think as I started I think it was six months in and I started getting more and more projects and I was like, well, this is probably not going to slow down now. And it was up until 2016, 2015 when I was working 80 and 90 hours a week, pulling off on the side of the road with my laptop to sign a contract or talk to an ad agency on the phone to negotiate some project. In that moment, I was like, I know I'm undervaluing myself and I, I need help. And so I started looking for a talent agency, a manager to help manage essentially me. And I talked to dozens and dozens and finally found the agency that I thought would take good care of me because I was small enough or where they were small enough. So then I wouldn't be lumped in with a hundred other talent, but also they were big enough to understand the value that we could then propose to all these brands that were approaching me. So I'm still signed with that agency now. And to me, I think that was a big sign when I'm like, okay, we're going to put out our big girl pants and we're doing this full time and there's no going back now. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that. Just, I mean, A, the fact that somebody would even say that, you know, like this, this boss of yours to yeah. everything that you did and had done. And that's just phenomenal. And I guess, yeah, like you said, you don't, it's not like you really plan this type of stuff, right? Like you don't plan these big breakthroughs or anything to happen like that. And so to just have these brands and companies and everything just slowly start to find you and bring you on to do projects and like just what a great like transition into that entire next stage of entrepreneurship for you. And I guess I'm just curious, like, did you get, did you ever feel like your age and just because of what you were doing was so different. Were there any other circumstances where you just felt kind of like talked down upon or like people weren't taking you seriously or did oh, it? F- yeah. All, I mean, all the time. And I think even still till now, um, it was interesting as I started doing more coverage in Austin and I was invited to sit literally at a physical table 
at a restaurant with other journalists and editors of magazines and newspapers. And for years, I would have an editor that would sit next to me and say, you don't deserve to stay here. I have an actual journalism background. Did you even go, did you even study journalism? I'm like, no, I studied nutrition. (laughs) Um, And for years, I would get that through, they would say, you're not qualified to sit here. You don't deserve to sit here. You just have a little blog. Who do you write for? You write for yourself. How does that work? How do you make money? And I think, I think it's just the separation. I don't want to say the separation generation, but media was changing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't here to like fight anyone on it, but I'm like, it's coming. So you can either adapt with it or you're going to get left behind with my mentality. And like, I love our local publications here in Austin, newspapers, magazines, like we wouldn't be anywhere without them. I think there's a way for both kinds of media to survive and um, help the city because at the end of the day, we're all writing about the same things and helping boost our economy. So there's not really like, oh, you know, competition, but I definitely felt like it was hard to be taken seriously because I was young. I didn't have a journalism background. I don't have a photography background. And I think people kind of scoff at, oh, well, that's not exactly fair that you just like picked this up and you just started doing it. Like, do you have a business degree? How did you know to, how did you build this business? So that was one thing was not being taken seriously by media. And then I think the other thing was not being taken serious by your own peers who were actually getting real jobs because of their degree or higher education that went to. So that was another thing. Um, I think even parents, like the same thing. My parents were like, don't do this. Like you, it's safe, it's the safe, the right thing to find a nine to five. And I was just like, I hid it from them for years. Didn't tell them that I was quitting until like I started getting actual revenue. Um, And I think even now, like I'm kind of not like I'm struggling with something different now but I think the struggle right now is even being taken seriously as an influencer that actually has a legitimate business because there are many influencers that I think that have a lot of followers on Instagram or TikTok or whatever and they're not making actual revenue so it's hard to be taken serious from a business standpoint when the general public or especially when I'm talking to VC firms they're like oh well don't you just get free food and vacation like we talk to influence all the time they're so used to influencers getting paid like a hundred dollars a post and they're like don't you do that like and I'm like no I actually have I worked with 300 brands now like these are not small budgets these are companies like Target, Ikea, Whole Foods these big companies that spend billions of dollars on advertising so um I think there is always going to be scrutiny and not being taken seriously but that's just part of I think any entrepreneur's like path Mm -hmm. and also maybe the path of people who have more public facing um jobs yeah or anyone really trying to do like your own thing anything that goes against what society deems as you know quote-unquote normal or acceptable and I I feel that is true and especially what you said like I so I, I work at Two Hands Cafe, which is where I've seen you before. And that's how I first found you and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, but, so when I'm there, we do have a lot of influencers come through or people doing that type of thing. And like people I work with or whatever, like they'd make kind of comments, you know, like what you were saying. And I, I've talked with so many, you know, in this field and like, I know the rates you can charge. Like I work part-time as a virtual assistant for, you know, a photographer, videographer, and she same thing. Like I I understand how rates can work. And I always say to them, I'm like, you have no idea 
how successful you can make, like you can make things be in this field and like this media. And it's just so true that people just don't understand. And then because of that, they like cast these judgments and scrutiny on it. But I mean, it's an amazing forward moving feel to be in. And you're just such a great example of it. And that's why I was just like, so excited to talk to you about it. Cause as you're explaining through your story, like you've obviously, this is something that like you can make into reality. It is something that can be, you know, just as dependable and just as amazing as any other corporate job or nine to five or, you know, creative path, however it be. So I just, yeah, I wanted to kind of say that point there. Cause I think a lot of people don't realize how much a work goes into it and be how much you can make out of a, a field in a career like this. And, um, sort of like last thing I wanted to touch on with you is just like the impact you've been able to make through your platform. And I know for a lot of us, we saw that through like everything you did during like the winter storm here, which was just insane. And so I'm just curious, like at what point did you realize the impact you could have through your community and through your platform? I think before lockdown happened and before COVID happened, I think people don't realize this. like I'm just like a normal person who's just trying to live her life. <laughs> and I think most people might not see that, you know, they're like, oh, you're so great. You're so great. You like put me on a pedestal. And I, and I'm not mad about that, but I think that at the end of the day, I'm like normal person. And I think there's, little situations where the universe is like, hey, it's okay. You're just a normal person. Like you're having a bad day. It's going to be okay. But it's interesting how sometimes some timings. I remember this time I went to Whole Foods and I was having a horrid day. I think I couldn't find something for a shoot. And one of the cashiers or someone that worked there grabbed me. I think I was like about like about to lose my shit or something like in tears. And he was like, oh my God, Coco, I love you. You're the best. And like, you know, it just catches you always on the worst day, which is always the best feeling. He's like, like you do so much for Austin. Like he was just hyping me up. I didn't know this person at all. And then he runs off. I'm like in the produce section, still trying to find whatever I couldn't find. And he comes back, buys me a cupcake, gives me a Whole Foods gift card. And he's just like, you're the best. Don't, don't ever like, don't like, don't forget that. Anyway, I've had a couple of these happen at the most opportune times or just people who will stop me and say, my wife loves you. My husband loves you. Like you do so much. Or even after the winter storm, like so many people, so many people stop me. Or like, I remember when I went to Round Top for the weekend and it was like a lot of people in the town all were like commending me for what me and my team had done. And I think I just don't stop and think about the kind of impact. Um, I think when lockdown happened in the service industry and the restaurant industry got affected so bad is what people don't realize is when you're the go-to for where to eat and things to do when things are great, it's great. I'm slammed with DMs and text messages of people asking me. And I, I think I have enough distribution of content where people can be self-sustainable. So they have the website, they have my Instagram, and they have my book. But then when a pandemic happens, who's the first thing that people call? I had hundreds of restaurant owners and um, service industry that would that reached out to me who are like, I just lost my job. I'm about to lay off 80% of my staff that's been with me for five years. What do I do? How do I pivot to take out? And I think in that moment, it's not, 
I don't think I even realized the kind of impact, but I just went into survival mode. And then I launched Hunter for Hospitality with a girlfriend of mine who owns Milk Collective. And even through that, we we raised $15,000. I don't think I still even realized the kind of impact because I was just like, no one's doing anything. I need to do something. I can do something. I mean, maybe I can do something. And then we just <laughs> did it. And then when the storm happened, it was the same thing. I definitely had no idea we'd raise so much money. The goal was like 10000 or I don't even know if we had a goal. I was just like, let's just start opening restaurants. And when the money started pouring in and like hundreds and hundreds of people were DMing those couple of days, it was just absolutely, but again, I was just in survival mode. And I don't think I was thinking about the kind of impact I was having because we, we literally helped thousands of people in one week and we fed all the major hospitals. And I don't think you think about that. Like I just, again, was just in survival mode. And the thing is like, if I didn't do it, who would have right and I felt like my audience was expecting me to because nobody else was going to do that um you know everyone else was all hurting we were all we were all in the winter storm but nobody else did it so we did it and we did it before the city could even do anything and we and even after that we were still in conversations with city officials about like well what's going to happen the next time there's a pandemic or a natural disaster because I don't want to have to step up every single time because I'm not a natural relief. <laughs> we are joking amongst the girls is that we're not natural disaster relief specialists because it seems like we're headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. I don't think I stop and think the kind of impact because I don't know. I just step in when there's a emergency. I do my thing and then I kind of step off and then I just go back to my normal day to day. Well, I, I love that. And I, I mean, it's very much true. You guys, you do a phenomenal job with it, but you're not the natural, you're not in charge. <laughs> you don't have to be in charge of that. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I think it's amazing. And I, I just really wanted to highlight, right? Like we've talked a lot here about whether it's entrepreneurship, you know, comparison, starting your own thing, you know, pursuing creative paths, but then also just to remind people of, right? Like the impact piece. And I think oftentimes it's not, like you always set the goal of like, I want to, you know, make an impact in this way or not, you know, and sometimes you might, sometimes you don't, but it's just beautiful to see how when you're doing something that fundamentally makes you happy, right? Like I know it's work, but I'm sure this line of work brings you joy. It's something you enjoy doing. It's just amazing to see what all unfolds because of it. And I just, yeah, you're just a very great example and someone to follow through for that. So Uh, Yeah, I just appreciate you sharing. And I guess for anyone that wants to follow along and see, you know, what it is we've been talking about here, where can they find you and your book, of course, Uh, whether they're local to Austin or not, like, it's just amazing to see all that Austin has to offer uh, through the creative lens you put on it. So yes, so you can follow me at a taste of cocoa and that's K-O-K-O on all the social media channels. I'm most active on Instagram. Um, getting better at TikTok. I did have a video go viral recently at 1.8 million views. So that was pretty crazy. <laughs> and you can find my book, Coco's Guide to Austin. It's this cute little four by six small handbook at, I think, about 40 locations in Austin. Um, also at the Austin airport. But you can also easily order it on Amazon.com. Amazing. Thank you so much.